0: Hare Krishna everyone, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya, Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. We are reading the Srimad Bhagavatam, and we are on the fifth canto, chapter 8, text 11, right? We just did, yes, so we're on text 11. And we're reading up to 12 right now. So text 11. What a exciting part of the Bhagavatam. So due to attachment for the deer, Maharaj Bharata laid down with it, walked with, about with it, bathed with it, and even ate with it. Thus his heart became bound to the deer in affection. When Maharaj Bharata Wanted to enter the forest, excuse me, to collect kusha grass, flowers, wood, leaves, fruits, roots, and water. He would fear that dogs, jackals, tigers, and other ferocious animals might kill the deer. He would therefore always take the deer with him when entering the forest. And Srila Prabhupada writes, very interestingly, <laughs> since this was the case with Bharat Maharaj, what can we say of those who are not advanced in spiritual life? but who become attached to cats and dogs. Due to their affection for their cats and dogs, they have to take the same bodily form in the next life unless they clearly increase their affection and love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Unless we increase our faith in the Supreme Lord, we shall be attracted to many other things. That is the cause of our material bondage. So that's the principle Prabhupada talking about here. And it's... It's sometimes hard to swallow that what we're ultimately being asked to do is exclusively fix ourselves on associating with the Supreme Lord, with His devotees, with His philosophy, uh, with His love, and, and relate everything else that's in this world somehow to Krishna, to our service to Krishna. Now, in America, over 60% of the households own either a cat or a dog that's quite a large statistic isn't it something i looked up the other day and i think we all know that or we all have a, we see that because for example when i go for, out for a walk where i live i'm constantly seeing people walking their dogs they don't usually walk their cats but they 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 walk their dogs and there's, there's a reason for that. Uh, this is something I found on um, in the website, you know. So anyway, it says the mental health benefits of owning a cat or dog have been proven by many scientific studies. Animals help with depression, anxiety, and stress. In addition, they provide companionship and ease loneliness. Moreover, pets bring us joy, and here's an interesting one: unconditional love. Now that may be questioned if it's unconditional if you stop feeding them. Uh don't you know you might uh they might not unconditionally love you, but let's just say that let's just theoretically accept that point. But how much more so if we actually develop our love with our our, our relationship with Krishna? How much more so does that help with depression, anxiety, stress, provide companionship? and ease loneliness, right? If we are, just like we are going to be reading, we might be reading even today about Partha. So he was so much in love with Krishna that he chose, and we'll, we'll talk about the reasons why he did this, and we may not be on that level, but he chose to practically not associate with anyone in this world because he didn't want to make the same mistake that we're reading about now in his previous life when he got you know overly attached to this deer. So having pets is a sensitive issue. It's pretty funny, but when, when there was an article many years ago in Back to Godhead magazine about having pets and we kind of uh, speaking against it, they, 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 they got more letters to the editor for that article than they've gotten for any other article ever. Something something like that. They got lots and lots. Mm-hmm. So uh, we won't, you know, we know that, for example, Raghava Pundit had a dog and Lord Chaitanya gave that dog great affection, actually. Um, so we won't go so much into pets and things like that. However, it, does, it may give us some impetus to sharing Krishna consciousness with others, where Prabhupada says here that if one is focused solely uh, on, and, or their main attachment is to their cat and dog, that may very well influence their next birth. And that may not be the most palatable thing in the world. So, some thoughts on cats and dogs. I do. Yes, Andy.
1: Yeah, I think I was thinking about this a lot. Uh, because I or... I have a cat and I fell in love with a dog next door, okay. but uh, that's a long story, but
0: it sounds like it.
1: <laughs> I think the main thing I came up with is that it allows a flow of compassion. Like I feel compassion to all kinds of creatures,
0: mm-hmm. right?
1: And that's can only be a good thing. And it's hard to have compassion for Krishna. It doesn't really flow that way. You know,
0: that's a good point.
1: Yeah. So, if it helps you be compassionate, it's a good thing. But the, this story here is not about whether it's right or wrong to, in my opinion, to own pets. It's do you let that feeling of compassion supplant supplant your relationship with Krishna? Then that's a big
0: mistake. Exactly. Exactly. That's a very good point. I, 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 would, uh, I tend to agree with that. And you're right. We, we say jiva doya right, doya means compassion, and jiva means the living entity, whether it's in a cat's dog, or, you know, a cat's body, a dog body, or a human being's body, or whatever, so I guess the other complaint that, that complaint would be the wrong word, uh, hypocrisy, perhaps, that we see sometimes is great compassion for cats and dogs, and not for cows, and pigs, and, and the other animals that we eat, you know, if someone eats a dog, right, they, they, that was a big thing, wasn't it, was that when the, uh, were, were the Olympics going to be in Korea? Was it Korea uh-huh. or was some country, uh, where, where they ate yeah. dogs sometimes?
1: They have and, a big festival of, yeah. And dogs. so
0: they, they, they banned the eating of dogs for the time when the Olympics mm-hmm. were going on. Something to that effect because it was such an uproar. So, but I, that's a very good point. It should not supplant. It's just like when we say anyabi lashita <laughs> sunyam anavritam. Anavrita means to cover. So our our bhakti should never be covered by, you could maybe consider this in the category of karma, compassion for other bodies, but it should not cover our Krishna consciousness. Other thoughts? It's tricky because ch- children love animals, generally speaking. I remember when my, my brother came to Vrindavan, and at that time, his children were a lot younger. And every day, the only thing they wanted to do was go to the Goshala. And, and, and I don't know at that time, Korma had these big bulls with, you know, these huge horns, right? And one of them was named Balaram. And my nephew just wanted to go see Balaram every day. <laughs> right? Uh, so, and my wife once wrote a children's, a couple, a series of children's books about, uh, a squirrel named Sadhu in Vrindavan. And it was a very popular book. <laughs> Sadhu goes to Vrindavan, Sadhu goes to the Jamuna, Sadhu goes to <laughs> Govardhan.
1: In fact. And can I say one more thing? Sure, sure. When I was in India, they had a temple. Don't ask me which temple because I went to so many temples. But when you got to the end, the big thing, they had a bowl there with these huge, unbelievably big horns. And that was the climax of visiting that temple. At the end, you go see the bowl. So that, was a, oh, yes. that was a big thing, there. Yeah,
0: yeah. big thing. Yeah. All right, shall we move on then, unless anyone else wants to say something? Okay, so now we're going up to, oh, the next, well, next verse, actually. And this verse is a continuation of this point, to some extent. When, when entering the forest, the animal would appear very attractive to Maharaj Parth, Due to its childish behavior, Maharaj Partha would even take the deer on his shoulders and carry it to and carry it due to affection. His heart was so filled with great love for the deer that it would sometimes that he would sometimes keep it on his lap or when when sleeping on his chest. In this way, he felt great pleasure in fondling the animal. And Prabhupada writes, one who was serious in advancing his spiritual life, should be very cautious not to become attached to anything but Krishna. Sometimes in order to preach, we have to accept many material activities, but we should remember that everything is for Krishna. If we remember this, there is no chance of our being victimized by material activities. So... I'm thinking of that verse, Atashi, what is it? Atashi Krishna, right? oh, That's not the one I'm thinking about, though. Uh, the one that has uh, Krishna Sambanda in it. Krishna uh, That it's such, it's, we've talked about this, probably haven't talked about it for a little while now, but the, most amazing definition of renunciation. That renunciation is seeing everything as Krishna's property and using everything in Krishna's service instead of giving up everything. So seeing the Krishna sambande um, and then yukta vairagya, then using it in Krishna's service. So that's here Prabhupada is indirectly talking about that sometimes in order to deal with this world and spread Krishna consciousness. We have to accept material activities, but we should remember that everything is for Krishna. And if we do that, then we don't become victimized by material activities. Also here, we can see that the, the root of bhakti in, in Chaitanya Charitamrita is mentioned as Sadhu sanga, association with devotees. And so here, one of the challenges that Maharaj Bharat has is that, so he, you know, Lord Dave had ordered his sons to serve their brother Bharat Maharaj, and Bharat Maharaj was to act under the guidance of Brahmanas. But now in the forest, he didn't have that external guidance. And bereft of that external guidance, bereft of that, or we could even sometimes say all right, that peer association besides more more advanced guidance, also peer guidance. He he devi- he had some deviation by Krishna's arrangement. So this is something that we talked about last week. That we we love one another, we serve one another, and part of serving one another is when we see one of our God brothers, god sisters, friends having challenges in their life or deviating in one way or another. We we encourage them to correct themselves. And sometimes that encouragement might be a little strong if we have that kind of relationship where we can get away with that. Well, get away with the wrong word, but we can, where it would be favorable. So it's just like we are not attached. If helping another person means patting them on the back, we pat them on the back. If, Helping another person means slapping him in the face. We slap in the face, figuratively. We're not attached to either. We're attached to serving that person. And some, so, de, so depending on the time, the place, and the circumstance, we'll, we'll serve that person in different ways. But here, Bart Maharaj was bereft of that guidance, bereft of that association. And therefore, you, you could imagine, right, if he was with one of his peers right now, one of his ministers, they would say, well, hey, "Amaraj, hey, wait a second, hey, go back to your puja, I'll take care of the deer. Or just like, you know, let the deer go. You know, you're, you're meant to be, you're meant to do your sadhana right now, right? It would be, it would have been obvious in one sense that someone could have helped him. But he didn't have that. And we're lucky because just look at the people on this call. We have that with the people on this call and, and other people in our lives. So some thoughts on this verse. Hare Krishna? Yes, Udas.
2: So Prabhu, uh, I agree with, totally with everything you were just speaking of, but it reminded me of that um, verse about satyam bruyat, priyam bruyat. Um, how, does that, how does that fit in with what you're uh, discussing about offering the appropriate kind of help at the appropriate time?
0: well so why don't you first translate that that for those who don't know that first
2: is uh basically never um you want to avoid uh roughness or uh upsetting right. uh, if the if the truth is unpalatable then uh you wanna to try to put it in palatable terms or even sometimes. At, at least in my interpretation, you you avoid
0: upsetting another living being. By right. You. So I think that's a general societal guideline uh, because we can also find places where Prabhupada would say, for example, that it's the spiritual master's duty to chastise the disciple. And then he would say that the spiritual master can chastise the advanced disciple, but would follow more of this satyam priya uh verse for the neophyte because neophyte might start thinking who, who is this guy chastising me right whereas the the whereas the advanced more advanced disciple has a relation a trusting relationship with his spiritual his, his, his spiritual master um, and therefore knows that when the chastisement is coming it's coming from a, a, a good place so i think that's important to, and i think that's what we spoke about that last week that when there's trust in the relationship, then one can be more use the word disruptive in in the relationship. So yes, there's that, but there's also an uh, uh, uh to accept things that are favorable, reject things that are unfavorable. There's also the idea of Vaishnava Seva, that we are here to serve Vaishnavas, and sometimes serving them means to say, hey, this is my prabhu Right? So it's it's in context. Is that all right?
2: Yeah, no, and I know you want to move on, but I I just wanted to, you just mentioned um, spiritual master and disciple. If the occasion arises when we are seeing something in another and we want, we we think very strongly it should be corrected. Is it that we have to strive to be in the mood of spiritual master and disciple or
0: it depends on the relationship there's you know we may have many because there's so there's only one diksha guru but there could be many shiksha gurus but let's say we don't have that kind of relationship and we see someone struggling we might go to to someone that we know uh they trust and say hey i saw uh you know whatever i saw henry um hanging out at uh joe's bar and grill the other day and uh Maybe uh Retover maybe you can talk to him about that. <laughs> right. Thank you. So so that that that's that's the uh sensitivity in understanding relationships that we sometimes will say, Well, I, I if, if I talk to if I say that to Henry, he's just gonna get more upset. But if Maraj speaks to Henry, he'll probably take it. Right? So thank you for that point, that Budas. Other thoughts on this verse? Okay, then let us carry on. And we're going up to verse 15. So verse 14. When Maharaj Maharaj Bharata was actually worshipping the Lord or was engaged in some ritualistic ceremony, although his activities were unfinished, he would still, at intervals, get up and see where the deer was. In this way he would look for it. And when he could see that the deer was comfortably situated, his mind and heart would be very satisfied. And he would bestow his blessings upon the deer saying, My dear calf, may you be happy in all respects. If Bharata Maharaj sometimes could not see the deer, his mind would be very agitated. He would become like a miser who, having obtained some riches, had lost them and had then become very unhappy. When the deer was gone, he would be filled with anxiety and with lament due to separation. Thus, he would become illusion and speak as follows. And Prabhupada writes in the purport, I'm reading the whole purport, but it's short. If a poor man loses his money or gold, he at once becomes very agitated. Have you ever done that? Have you ever lost something? And isn't it sometimes can be like, like when, I, when I looked out the window in January and I saw that my car was not there? It was such a weird fit. it was like a part of me was gone. It was his old car, whatever, that's not the point. But there's the Prabhupada really hits it on the head, hits the nail on the head here with that sentence. Similarly, the mind of Maharaj Bharata would become agitated when he did not see the deer. This is an example of how our attachment can be transferred. If our attachment is transferred to the Lord's service, we progress. Sri LaRupa Goswami prayed to the Lord that he would be as naturally attracted to the Lord's service as young men and young women are naturally attracted to each other. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu exhibited such attachment to the Lord when he jumped into the ocean or cried at night in separation. However, if our attachment is diverted to material things, Instead of, instead to the Lord, we will fall down from the material platform. So what a powerful uh, purport. And this is a famous verse by Rupa Goswami. The point is that he's saying that they're naturally attracted to each other. So when will that day be mine when I'm naturally attracted to to Krishna? So the uh in, in, in the Vedic tradition, there is so much emphasis put on the pleasure of Brahman, of giving up material attachments, of being free from the dualities of happiness and distress, pain and pleasure, and being free, yeah, free from the entanglements of this world. And it's glorified in so many places. Here we see, uh, yet the Krishna consciousness is so much, right? The, what's the example given the, the, that, uh, that uh, compares the pleasure of Brahman realization to Bhagavan realization? Anyone remember what's in the Shastra, the example that's given?
3: The hill covered by a
0: cloud. The what? The, the okay, the, the hill covered, feet covered feet by a ground. cloud. Okay, from a distance you mean? Yeah. That's, yeah as opposed to when you actually get to the hill and you see the people and everything. Okay, what else? That's not about the happiness, though. That's What about the happiness? Isn't it a drop of water compared to an ocean? Right? That's that, yeah. So if you you just think about it, if you've been to uh, an, an ocean, one drop compared to an ocean. So the difference between giving up, just giving up material attachment and here, in this purport, having a natural attachment to Krishna, there's no comparison there's no comparison it's it's It blows the impersonal con- concept away you know I forget the exact verse, but Rupa I believe it's Rupa Goswami he talks about how you know let let the impersonals have have this or that. I'm just, I just want to be attached to that, that butter thief. Right? So having that attraction to the person, Krishna. And when we think about it, it's so much more natural to have, not just reject things, but have attraction to something. And then the other, the, uh, the other attachments go away. So we're into being attached. We want to be attached like anything. Ashakti means attached to the Lord. We just want to be attached to the Lord and not attached to things of this world. And therefore, it's we really have to develop this idea that I have a relationship with Krishna. I have a relationship with Krishna because if we don't have that deeply in our consciousness, we will naturally be attracted to material things either in some very gross way or in some more, much more subtle way. But it's 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 a dangerous situation to not have as much as possible fixed in our mind that the goal of my life is Krishna, attachment to Krishna. I have a relationship. I have a right now as we're talking in this class, we all have relationships with Krishna. Individual loving relationships with Krishna. Mm-hmm. And the more we cultivate that understanding as we're doing our services. As we're chanting our, especially as we're chanting our Japa or chanting in Kirtan, then the more our lives will be um, blessed and happy. So, this, is, this purport is powerful. Probably quoting Rupa Goswami and then talking about the very, very advanced stages of Mahabhava that Lord Chaitanya exhibited when he was in uh, Jagannath Puri. So some thoughts on this?
1: Well, um, it occurred to me just very quickly that it's not an operation of finding or searching. It's an an operation of removal. Because according to the Shastra, we all have that, everybody, every living soul has an attachment to Krishna and it gets covered up. So it's a removal operation to get down to that, isn't it?
0: Okay, yes. And... Then the question is, what is the removal operation? I, you've, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, I've given that example before, right? That in in uh, in material, you know, in in a lot of the Vedic systems, you have to put down the material and then pick up the spiritual. But in Krishna Consciousness, just by picking up the spiritual, you automatically drop the material. Right? It's a one-step process. So yes, and it's also uh, a nice word that's used. Uh, Andy is udre. It's a Bengali word because it's from Chaitanya Charitamrita, which means awakening something that's already dormant. So, uh, what is that verse? Um, Shravanadi Sudhichite Kauriyai That it's awakened by hearing and chanting about Krishna. So, yes, I guess you could say it's an unearthing, but it's, it's, or you could say it's kind of like a digging for a gem that's there and you have to just get to it. Maybe that's another analogy, but yes, it's,
4: it's.
0: I like what you said. Yes, other thoughts. Yes, Prabhu. <coughs>
4: yes, um, Yesterday, uh, Giridhram Prabhu gave such a wonderful class on how to chant, like Lord Chaitanya. That's so, it. on this point, he was mentioning all it takes is showing our sincerity, little sincerity to Krishna. Because from Krishna's side, everything is still as it is. Yes, it's our relationship and our interest and enthusiasm and sincerity, uh, you know, just not, uh, is, is not that much like, you know, remove
0: this, but
4: Krishna, I want you
0: in my life. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. So many places felt that sense, serious and sincere. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: But you know, Dvamantra to be sincere, it's a, there's a price to be paid for that. Eagerness. Yeah, yeah, eagerness and really, it's almost like uh, like in a radio, we really have to tune in to Krishna.
4: Krishna's channel, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. Thank you for that. Yes, yeah, sincerity is so important. Other thoughts? Okay. Then should we carry on? We're almost done with this chapter. These are all several quite short chapters. Chapter, Canto 5 has a lot of short chapters in it. So we are going, well, we're just going up to the next verse, so in this case. Bharat Maharaj would think, Alas, the deer is now helpless. I am now very unfortunate, and my mind is like a cunning hunter for it is always filled with cheating propensities and cruelty. The deer has put its faith in me, just as a good man who has a natural interest in good behavior forgets the misbehavior of a cunning friend and puts his faith in him. Although I have proved faithless, uh, although I have proved faithless, will this deer return and place its faith in me? Rupit writes, Bharat Maharaj was very noble and exalted, and therefore, when the deer was absent from him, he thought himself unworthy to give it protection. Due to his attachment for the animal, he thought that the animal was as noble and exalted as him, he himself was. According to the logic of Atma Van Jagat, everyone thinks of others according to his own position. Therefore, Bharat Maharaj felt that the deer had left him due to his negligence, and that due to the animal's noble heart, he would again... It would again return. Hmm. So in the Bhagavad Gita, oh no, this is a this is a quote from either a class or a morning walk, Prabhupada quotes, Atmavan Manyate Jagat. The difficulty is everyone thinks of others on his own standard. If a fool he thinks others fools. <laughs> So that is not the fact. We have to take experience from a person whose experience nobody can surpass. Just like Krishna says, Vedaham Samatitani, Vartamanani, Bhavishyani. So that's from Bhagavad Gita chapter seven, verse 26. So this Vedic psychology, we could say, Atmavan Jagat. Atmavan, I'm thinking one way, and therefore Jagat, the world should think similar way and one of the interesting things that happens in this world is that we we are surprised when people don't think the same way we do right i would i would assume that many of us we've talked about this before many of us when we became interested in krishna consciousness this was for me in 1976 and i went back to my group of friends and i said i found it we've all been talking about finding the truth i found it and they all looked at me like i was nuts (laughs) <laughs> yeah. One person didn't totally think I was that. One was really offended. who would never talk to me again. Another one, but one person, an old friend, saw me on Harinam the year later with all shaved up saffron clothes and said, your one person is doing what they really think they should do with their life. And I, I still remember that. It's like 44 years ago.
5: Yeah.
0: So this is a, it's a psychological disposition that we have. That we and then what would also happens is, when we have a certain mindset, we tend to find the things happening in the world or what we read or what we hear that reinforce our. And when we read things that are contrary to what we think, we our critical thinking clicks in, or we could even say sometimes in this of our fault finding, and we find ways to. Say, well, that doesn't apply in this situation. <laughs> that doesn't apply here. So instead, and we can do this in even in Prabhupada's teachings. We can have a certain way of thinking, and we, Prabhupada quotes that we, uh, that agree with our way of thinking, we, we, we become so enlivened when we see those. And when we find ones that don't agree with us, we find ways of rationalizing that away or just kind of like, whoops, skip over that purport <laughs> or, or whatever. So this, this idea, uh, this is, the, I think I mentioned it's called confirmation bias in, 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 um, logical thinking that we allow things to confirm what we already have thought of. So obviously we suggest something different. That we should go to the shastra and Prabhupada's teachings with an open mind, with a uh, accepting to hear. And when we hear something that Prabhupada said something differently somewhere else, we try to gather all those things together and see what what what, what can we learn from this this body of of teachings. Because Prabhupada would say different things at different times. About details, not about principles. He never said, Don't chant Hare Krishna, chant Omna O Shivaya, or, you know, uh, two regulator principles, or anything like that. But on on the details, he would, you know, he would preach according to Desha Kalapatra time, place, and circumstance. So that takes some intelligence so that we don't fall into the Atmavan Maniteja concept that everyone should be thinking the way I'm thinking. If you do, if we think like that, we're we're going to get very, very frustrated in life because not everyone thinks the same way as us. We and we have different, we have different ways of thinking because we are individual souls. We have a different relationship with Krishna. We have different purva samskars. We have different uh, mental impressions from previous lives. We have different upbringings. We were brought up in different cultures. We have different parents. A different training in Krishna consciousness, so that it's, it's, we shouldn't be surprised when someone disagrees with us, we should be surprised when someone agrees with us. Yeah, yeah. so some thoughts on Atmavan Manyate Jagat.
4: Yes, Prabhu, yes. I really liked, even though it is due to attachment or whatever it is, I still see the exalted position of Bharat Maharaj. He was thinking, like, Oh dear, left me because maybe I neglected. It's not that, you know, how, how dare she, you know, finding <laughs> her, the deer that she didn't understand me. I mean, there was no, there was positiveness, but it was not in the wrong place, that's what, I mean, yes. uh, I don't know how to put it, but he was not thinking in those lines. He was thinking about himself, you know, it's not as the fault of the deer.
0: Right? Yes, I mean, remember, he's, he's a chhatriya, right? So he's... Yeah. For millions of years wasn't it ten million years you know he was protecting citizens, and yes. citizens meant not only human beings right so that protection right. that protection mood was very very deep yes, so there's yeah, so a good point that you're saying that, but it's a good point because he was a, he wasn't just a super pious king, he was a christian conscious king yes yes yeah, so it 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 was it was it went as Andy said it went beyond. Yeah. what should be normal compassion, yeah. yet we can see that it was not coming from he wasn't like, okay, I'm just going to go kill that deer now that, <laughs> now that she's not listening to me anymore. yeah All right thank you for that much
2: Krishna to expand on on what Mahamantra was just saying to expand on that um it um, it seems like uh Maharaj bharat is ex- expressing very advanced loving sentiments um just toward the wrong uh just toward it it, it's a it's a it seems like this whole series of verses Maharaj Bharat is very very much you know um experience I can't say Mahabhava but but experiencing very advanced
0: uh feelings but just toward just was the wrong with that song, looking for love in all the wrong places, <laughs> yeah, so yes, it was just, and people in this world could be like that also, maybe not as pious as him, but people can have this incredible for their animals, especially, um, for their spouses. There's so many examples of people you know who have been married many, many, many years, and then one spouse passes away, and then the other one passes away very shortly after that.
2: And and the the, the point Prabhupada, uh that you so nicely emphasize in Prabhupada's purport is that uh, Prabhupada seems to be uh, saying that we need to establish a standard so that that this uh, according to our own mind doesn't occur. That the, the, he's very much in uh, establishing the Vedic standard.
5: Hmm.
0: Yes. Other thoughts? I haven't heard from a lot of you so far today. Yes, um, um
3: In addition to what you said about uh, the Atma and de Jagat that everyone thinks of others according to his own position, it also plays out in uniquely one, in one way that based on what mindset or qualities I have, I project that to the other person in my interaction. Oh, this person did it like this because of this. But basically, I am just seeing my own imperfections and faults in the mm-hmm. other person. And then I, I just see them like that and interact with them like that and label or uh, mark them in a specific slot. Okay, they are this
0: person is like this person is this. Mm. That's a very good point. It, it, I think it's a good... If when we see some fault in another, another person or another devotee, we should probably pause and think, hmm, is it because I can relate so well to that because I have the same fault? <laughs> is, that a, is, that, is that one of the explanations? Because we can, right? If somebody is exhibiting one of our shortcomings, we can go, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, I, did, I did the same thing. <laughs> Thank you. Other thoughts? Okay, then let us continue. I think we're going to verse 29 or something now, right? Yes, so we're going to be reading a number of uh, translations. So text 17. Alas, is it possible that I shall again see this animal protected by the Lord and fearless uh, of tigers and other animals? Shall I again see him wandering in the garden eating soft grass? I do not know, but the deer might have been eaten by a wolf or a dog or by the boars that flock together or the tiger who travels alone. Alas, when the sun rises, all auspicious things begin. But fortunately, they have not begun for me. The sun god is the Vedas personified, but I am bereft of all Vedic principles. That sun god is now setting, yet the poor animal who trusted in me uh, since its mother died, has not returned that deer is exactly like a prince. When will it return? When will it again display its personal activities, which are so pleasing? When will it again pacify a wounded heart like mine? That sounds like a country and western song. I certainly must have no pious assets, otherwise the deer would excuse me would have returned by now. Alas, the small deer. While playing with me and seeing me feigning meditation with closed eyes, would circumambulate me due to anger arising from love, and it would fearfully touch me with the points of its soft horns, which felt like drops of water.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: When I placed all the sacrificial ingredients on the kusha grass, the deer, when playing, would touch the grass with its teeth and thus pollute it. When I chastised the deer by pushing it away. It would immediately become fearful and sit down motionless, exactly like the son of a saintly person. Thus it would stop its play. After speaking like a madman in this way, Maharaj Bharata got up and went outside. Seeing the footprints of the deer on the ground, he praised the footprints out of love, saying, Oh, fortunate Bharata, your austerities and penances are very insignificant compared to the penance and austerity undergone by the Earth planet. Due to the earth's severe penances, the footprints of this deer, which are small, beautiful, most auspicious and soft, are imprinted on the surface of this fortunate planet. The series of footprints show a person like me who are bereaved due to loss of the deer, how the animal has passed through the forest and how I can regain my lost wealth. By these footprints, this land has become a proper place for prominence who desire heavenly planets or liberation to execute sacrifices to the demigods. Bharat Maharaj continued to speak like a madman, seeing above his eyes the dark marks of the rising moon which resembled a deer. He said, Can it be that the moon, who is so kind to an unhappy man, might also be kind upon my deer, knowing that it has strayed from home and has become motherless? The moon has given the deer a shelter near itself just to protect it from the fearful attacks of a lion. After perceiving the moonshine, Bharat Mahārāj continued speaking like a crazy person. He said, The dear son was so submissive and dear to me that due to its separation, I am feeling separation from my own son. Due to the burning fever of this separation, I am suffering as if inflamed by a forest fire. My heart, which is like the lily of the land, is now burning seeing me so distressed, the moon is certainly splashing its shining nectar upon me, just as a friend throws water on another friend who has a high fever. In this way, the moon is bringing me happiness. Sukadev Goswami continued, My dear king, so he's talking to Pariksha Maharaj now, In this way, Bharat Maharaj was overwhelmed by an uncontrollable desire, which was manifest in the form of the deer. Due to the fruitive results of his past deeds, he fell down from mystic yoga, austerity, and worship of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. If it were not due to his past fruit of activity, how could he have been attracted to the deer after giving up the association of his own son and family, considering them stumbling blocks on the path of spiritual life? How could he show such uncontrollable affection for a deer? This is definitely due to his past karma. The king was so engrossed in petting and maintaining the deer that he fell down from his spiritual activities. In due course, uns, unsurmountable, insurmountable death, which is compared to a venomous snake that enters the hole created by a mouse, situated itself before him. And Sugadev continues, At the time of death, the king saw that the deer was sitting by his side exactly like his own son and was lamenting his death. Actually, the mind of the king was absorbed in the body of the deer. Consequently, like those bereft of Krishna consciousness, he left the world, the deer, and his material body and acquired the body of a deer. However, there was one advantage. Although he lost his human body and received the body of a deer, he did not forget the incidents of his past life. We'll talk more about that in the next chapter, how that happened and... The benefits that he reaped, that he he sowed from that, or reaped, benefited from that. Although in the body of a deer, Parat Maharaj, due to his rigid devotional service in his past life, could understand the cause of his birth in that body. Considering his past and present life, he constantly repented his activities, speaking in the following way. In the body of the deer, Parat Maharaj began to lament, what misfortune I have fallen from the path of the self-realized. I gave up my real sons, wife, and home to advance in spiritual life, and I took shelter in a solitary holy place in the forest. I became self-controlled and self-realized, and I engaged constantly in devotional service, hearing, thinking, chanting, worshiping, and remembering the Supreme Personality of Godhead Vasudev. I was successful in my attempts, so much so that my mind was always absorbed in devotional service. However, due to my personal foolishness, my mind again became attached, this time to a deer. Now I have attained the body of a deer and have fallen far from my devotional practices. So Prabhupada writes that due to his stringent execution of devotional service, Bharat Maharaj could remember the activities of his past life and how he was raised to the spiritual platform. Due to his foolishness, he became attached to an insignificant deer, thus fell down, and had to accept the body of a deer. This is significant for every devotee. So when Prabhupada prefaces his statement with that, that's pretty important, right? This is significant for every devotee. If we misuse our position and think that we are fully engaged in devotional service and can do whatever we like, we have to suffer like Bharat Maharaj and be condemned to accept the type of body that impairs our devotional service. Only the human form is able to execute devotional service, but if we voluntarily give up, give this up for sense gratification, we certainly have to be punished. So that, okay, before we go on where, Krishna, where Prabhupada makes us feel a little better. <laughs> We should, you know, he's he's giving us a, a good warning here, right? That we, what does he say? If we misuse our position and think we are fully, so if we think, oh, I'm such a great devotee, I'm fully engaged in devotional service, now I can do as I like, that can be a troublesome mindset, to say the least. That we are still within the boundaries of what's favorable to Krishna consciousness and avoid things that take us outside of those boundaries of Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. Now let's, read, let's hear a little bit about the good news after hearing that. This punishment is not exactly like that endured by an ordinary materialistic person. By the grace of the Supreme Lord, a devotee is punished in such a way that his eagerness to attain the lotus feet of Lord Vasudeva is increased. Remember we said a few verses earlier, uh, Mahamantra Prabhu used the word eagerness or lollium, greed. For, that's the price to pay to be a great, to become a devotee. And here it says that Krishna deals with us in such a way to increase our eagerness. By his intense desire, he returns home in the next lifetime. Devotional service is very completely described here. I won't read the Sanskrit. That, that is a long word, right? Uh, sankirtana radhana nush maranabhi yogena. The constant hearing and chanting of the Glories of the Lord is recommended in Bhagavad Gita Satatam Kirtayan Tomam Yathantas Those who have taken the Krishna consciousness should be very careful that not a single moment is wasted, not not a single moment is spent without chanting and remembering the Supreme Personality of God and His activities. So that is aspirational. It's not easy to do, as we all probably know in our lives, but it's certainly aspirational to, or at least we could say, always be increasing not only the quantity, the time, but also the quality of our hearing and chanting. And really, really wanting to be a devotee. Be, well, not that Prabhupada said we don't, we don't always consider ourselves a devotee. We want to consider ourselves a servant. So this whole story is, the whole pastime, one of the great lessons in it is about being careful about the dangers of, the, of our attachments and of the illusory energy. And Prabhupada writes that, Through the medium of Bharat Maharaj, Krishna teaches us that we must be careful in the discharge of devotional service. If we want to keep our minds completely fixed, without deviation, we must engage them in devotional service full-time. As far as the members of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness are concerned, they have sacrificed everything to push on this Krishna conscious movement. Yet they must take a lesson from the life of Bart Maharaj to be very cautious and to see that not a single moment is wasted in frivolous talk, sleep, voracious eating. (laughs) Eating is not prohibited, but if we eat voraciously we shall certainly have to sleep more than required, sense gratification ensues, and we may be degraded to a lower life form. In that way our spiritual progress may be checked at least for some time. The best course is to take the advice of Srila Rupa Goswami of Yatakalatvam. We should see that every moment of our lives is utilized for rendering devotional service and nothing else. This is the secure position for one wanting to return home back to God. So it's interesting how Prabhupada connects not deviating with using our time wisely. Well, first, before I go to the chat, things, any thoughts on this amazing purport? And abhyakta kalatwam, using our time wisely and being cautious in our pursuit of bhakti, etc.
4: I have a different question, problem than what you said.
0: It's okay.
4: Um, so, though Bharat Maharaj was able to remember the incidents from the past life, uh-huh, won't he be able to chant in a uh, deer's body? Is it possible or not? What do you think? Um, it must be, yeah. <laughs> from
0: You know, if he if he can remember... Yeah. Which, which no animal can, then, you know, I mean, remember Mr. Ed? No, you wouldn't remember Mr. Andy <laughs> would. <laughs> no, that's a terrible but example. He right. but, but he can't uh, chant. But, but, What's that?
1: He can't chant like a human because he can't make the vibration with his vocal
0: cords. Well, we don't know. And there is not, a, no, it's not Mr. Ed. I, there's I, a beautiful, no, I know, terrible, terrible, sorry about that. But, um, If you, let me just find, one second. You're you're reminding me, Mahamantra Prabhu, about a, uh, remind me to go back to the chat in a minute. You're reminding me of, oh yeah, here it is. It's in the 14th chapter of this canto, text 45. Okay? And, because the question might be asked, how is it that he went from a lower animal birth to being born in and, an exalted Vaishnava Brahmana family, okay, and the answer is given in five fourteen forty-five. It's a little, you know, you have to read a little bit ahead to get there. So this describes the and listen to this: the deer's loud prayer to Krishna as he died. Very <laughs> And this is what he said: the supreme personality of Godhead is sacrifice personified. He gives the results of ritualistic activities. So this is still in the dear body. He is a protector of the religious systems and the personification of mystic yoga, the source of all knowledge, the controller of the entire creation, and the super soul in every living entity. He is beautiful and attractive. I am quitting this body, I am quitting this body, offering obeisances unto him, and hoping that I may perpetually engage in this transcendental loving service. So that's what he... I don't know how he said that, Andy, but the Sanskrit is there and it is said that he recited that as he was leaving the body.
1: Allegory. Allegory.
0: Could be, or it could be actually what happened because we also learn that, uh, for example, when Krishna takes the form of uh, Dev, he speaks the Vedas and... Uh, Etc. cetera, Garuda, what to speak of Hanuman, <laughs> right? Hanuman uh, said a lot of things. So I wouldn't go quickly to the allegory. Uh, um, but the point is, to, to, to answer your question, Mahamantrapu, does that help, that verse? Yes, Prabhu.
4: Thank you very much.
0: Beautiful yeah. verse. We're going to get to that uh, in a few uh, weeks, that, that chapter. Yeah. Thank you. Other, okay, so now let me go to the chat. Hold on. Let's see what devotees wrote. Jay wrote, I find it hard to digest how such an exalted person like Bharat Maharaj, who had almost attained self realization, became so attached to a deer that he forgot his relationship to Krishna. How did this happen? Oh, I think Sukadev just answered my question. <laughs> so, yes, it, it's, it happened by the, by, Krishna's arrangement, and it is in the Bhagavatam because it teaches us such an important lesson. Such an important lesson. Uh, was that Jay? If you can add more, if you, what was there something very specific Sukadev said that answered your question? But yes, yeah. I, I think it's because um,
4: because of his past um, fruitive activities, he you know he got attached to this
0: deer. Yeah, it does say that due due, to his karma. Now, he was on the level of Pava, which is Prem Ankur, or the the seed of Prema. So it's a very exalted... So even if he had some residual karma, he was so special that he could remember in an animal body what he did in his last life, which is super rare. And we're going to talk more about that in a few minutes. Let's just see what... uh, Thank you for that, Jay. Ditya Nagrabhu writes... How do we understand that someone who is, you know, same question, right? Uh, uh, has the kind, this kind of effect because of his karma. Isn't the karma no longer there at the advanced stage? It is more because aparad or offenses and someone goes through this. Well, the translation doesn't make the distinction between aparad and, and karma. We'd have to, what well, we would have to do, give ya Prabhu, and probably don't have time now. Someone would have to go and look up Madhurya Kandamani. Maybe Prema Tarangani, knows, uh, Devi, knows the answer to this, uh, what it says in the uh, Madhurya Kandamani about the. Because it, it, it talks about, like, the, the contaminations that go away as we progress from Shraddha to Prema, and that there's still something left in Baba. I just don't, it's been a long time since okay, I've been yes. <laughs>
5: Hi, Krishna Prabhu, uh, yes, my uh, so actually yeah, vishwanath Chakravati Thakur in Madhya Kadamini, he says that um, things due to past pious and sinful activities, um, they are absolutely completely finished by the stage of uh, Nishta, if I remember right, okay. <laughs> pretty early. Um, and even at the stage of bhajana kriya you know a lot of it is eliminated but the only thing that remains is the offense from aparad um, like traces of that even at the stage of baba so he says that at the stage of baba the elimination is complete and at the stage of prema that's when it is absolute and uh-huh. so also um also in uh, bhakti sandarbha Jiva Goswami very directly mentions that ordinary fruitive activities, um, they cannot create such a strong impediment like the one Bharat Maharaj had in his devotional service. So he says that this is because of offenses committed in a previous birth. Uh-huh. There you but, go. but what But what that offense is, um, I researched about it, but I could never find if there was any specific mention of what that offense was.
0: It's so nice to have a scholar on the call. Thank you so much, Prema Tarangini. Um And what I remember when I read something to that effect recently, or, and I can't remember exactly where I read it, about, about an opera, just as Divya Anandpuppu is, is saying, I got really scared because how many times do I do Nama aparad? And I think, oh my gosh, you know, what's my What hope do I have? And luckily, uh, we—the only hope we have—is that Krishna is going to be very kind to us. <laughs>
5: right. And I've also heard that. Um, I've also heard that specifically, it's the Vaishnava Parad traces that don't go away quickly. Even nama Parad is kind of removed, but mm-hmm. I don't have a reference to give you. But I've heard it in. Uh, maybe I've heard it from Adipurush in one of those. Right. Retreats or something, but yeah.
0: Well, we often hear, right, that the first offense is one of the, is the worst. We also hear the seventh offense is the worst, and sometimes the tenth offense. Those three, right? The, uh, to uh, blaspheme a devotee who is engaged in Krishna consciousness, and then to commit sins on the strength of chanting, to just use the, to have that crooked mentality that I could, you know, it's one thing to have some weakness. That's another thing to just say, it's all good. I'm just going to pick up my beads tomorrow and wash away the sins. And then it's also said that from inattentiveness, the last offense or the sometimes the 11th offense, all the other offenses arise. So I I I find that those three often especially connect with our practices in Krishna consciousness. Most of those of us who did not come from a, A Hindu family, we generally don't have too much problem with the second offense. Consider the names of the demigods like Lord Brahma and Lord Shiva to be equal to or independent of the names of Lord Vishnu. We like, who is Lord Brahma? Who is Lord Shiva? We didn't know. (laughs) Didn't know who they were. Maybe I, maybe I knew Brahma because one of the places in the Grand Canyon is named Brahma Peak or something like that. But that was about it. (laughs) And Divyanand Prabhu is thanking you. Prema Tarangani for that information.
5: Thank you, you Prabhu. <laughs>
4: Thank you to both of you. Hare Krishna.
0: Okay, let's move on. We're finishing this chapter. The next chapter is super duper exciting as well. Super duper wonderful, I guess, is a better word. One time, Prabhupada said something, someone said something to, uh, well, Prabhupada, I'm very excited, and probably oh, that's very bad. <laughs> 'Cause exciting can also be taken as like, you know, agitated. Although Bharat Maharaj received the body of a deer, his by constant repentance he became completely detached from all material things. He did not disclose these things to anyone, but he left his mother deer in a place known as Kanjan uh, Kalan Jira Mountain where he was born. He again went to the forest of Shalagrama. And to the ashram of Pulastya and Pulaha. Remaining in that ashram, the great king Bhart Maharaj was now very careful not to fall victim to bad association. Without disclosing his past to anyone, he remained in that ashram and ate dry leaves only. Yeah, so Andy, if he, if he can be that renounced and practice, he can do pretty much anything. <laughs> he was not exactly alone, for he had the association of the super soul. In this way, he waited for death in the body of a deer. Bathing in that holy place, he finally gave up that body. Now, the next chapter, Sri Suka, Sukadeva Goswami continued, My dear King, Maharaj Prikshid, after giving up the body to deer, Bhart Maharaj took birth in a very pure Brahmana family. There was a Brahmana who belonged to the dynasty of Angira. He was fully qualified with Brahminical qualifications. He was expert in giving charity and was always satisfied, tolerant, very gentle, learned, and non-envious. He was self-realized and engaged in the devotional service to the Lord. He remained always in the trance. He had nine equally qualified sons by his first wife, and by his second wife he he begot twins, a brother and a sister, of which the male child was said to be the topmost devotee and foremost of saintly kings, Bharat Maharaj. This, then, is the story of the birth he took after giving up the body of a deer. Due to his being especially gifted with the Lord's mercy, Bharata Maharaj could remember the incidents of his past life. Although he received the body of a Brahmana, he was still very much afraid of his relatives and friends who were not devotees. He was always very cautious of such association because he feared that he would again fall down. Consequently, he manifests himself before the public eye as a madman, dull, blind, and deaf, so that others would not try to talk to him. In this way, he saved himself from bad association. Within, he was always thinking of the lotus feet of the Lord and chanting the Lord's glories, which saved one from the bondage of fruit of action. In this way, he saved himself from the onslaught of non-devotee association. So, um, the question could be asked, why did he get a Brahman birth? Why didn't he go back to Godhead, right? What's that? Does anyone know that verse in the eighth chapter of the Gita about what you remember at the time of death? You certainly achieved. Somebody
3: recite Yeah. Thank you. And
0: that's
2: why I became a deer in the first place. Yes. And your, your point is a very
0: good one. Okay, so then the so how do you answer that question? So let us see what Jiva Goswami says. Um, he says that it only seems as if Bart Maharaj did not directly attain the Lord in his next, next life, as the great devotee Judd Bart. Actually, it is clear that he did attain the Lord's association, for the Lord was constantly in his heart. The proof of this can be seen in Judd Bharat's complete renunciation even as he lived in the material world. Only by Krishna's association was such a degree of renunciation possible. So, you know, Bharat Maharaj, he greatly, greatly, greatly feared repeating the blunder he had made in becoming attached to a deer. And therefore, you know, he avoided all intimate relationships with non-devotees or with anyone who did not, in his mind, foster his devotion? Even if it's, even though his father was a good Brahmana, he did not open himself up to him. We're going to hear about that. And he avoided the association of his mother, even though it was Mother's Day today, and his brothers and his twin sister and people in general. And he used the, you know, what is that, what's that word? The ruse is that right? The ruse of pretending to be deaf, dumb, and dull. So he was so determined not to get entangled in material existence at any cost. And so, in this way, he just renounced everything. And basically, he presented himself, you know, it says here, as a half-wit, although internally, he was just overwhelming with, uh, overwhelmed with the mood of devotion. So the next question could be: someone might ask, hearing about the spiritual strength that Judd Bharat had because he could remember his past birth, past two births. Why doesn't Krishna give us remembrance of our previous lives? Because if if we had that, wouldn't we act more cautiously, right? And probably avoid some activities, right? Just seeing that what we had done in the past has led led us to where, where we are today. So that, that question may be right. So let's, let's examine that from two angles of vision. The first one is, is kind of an existential analysis. And that is that it's almost like saying, well, if I was God, this is what I would do. Right. You know, kind of asking that question is we're forgetting our own, you know, real insignificance. And forgetting that Krishna is, you know, the all-good, all-knowing, all-powerful, supreme person. And we are tiny, inconsequential jivas who sometimes ask very arrogant questions. (laughs) So do we know everything past, present, and future like Krishna does? Right? You know, it's kind of like saying, well, if I was managing the world, I would do it a little differently. I I would, you know, I tell you, you know, in my weaker moments I would say, Well, the first thing I would do is I'd give like every Iskan temple a billion dollars so they can preach, you <laughs> know. But here's another here's another way to look at this. And could you imagine if we could remember our previous lives, our births, the all the diseases that we had, all the heartbreaks that we had, all the deaths that we had. That that trauma of, you know, being swallowed by uh, a lizard or mauled by a tiger or whatever, it might, it could shock us so much that it may make it really hard for us to love, right? Being so caught up in the terror and the trauma of what's happened to us in, in previous lives. So it is definitely Krishna's arrangement and Krishna's kindness that we don't remember all of our previous lives. So before going on to verse 4, any thoughts? On, I just said a whole bunch of stuff. Any thoughts on some of the things I said?
4: Yes, Prabhu. Actually, I, I met a person who remembers her past life.
0: Yes. Uh,
4: she was born in France, leaving the details. Uh, you read about it, more... So you met the person? I met the person yeah, uh, because she saw my tilak in the what is it antique shop. I went to buy a mirror to, you know, a, a second a used mirror uh-huh. to put the tilak. So that's when she asked me, "Do you believe in incarnation, reincarnation?" So I asked her, "Do you believe?" So she started conversing. But anyway, like uh, what? She told me was, uh, I mean, making me think that when the last moments were heavily traumatized, that also could be the reason to remember that because uh, she g- graphically remembered all the incidents and uh, she got stuck even now. She herself says that. That's why she lost her current husband and all. But, um, she was not able to get out. So I gave her Bhagavad Gita. But um, I was thinking like, uh, when you ask that question, like why we don't remember? So first thing that came to my mind was, uh, we were not absorbed in Krishna, uh, neither in repentance. Uh, Mm -hmm. But then this incident shows like too much remembering of, uh, you know, that trauma also keeps one stuck.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess we would believe in reincarnation. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely yeah. believe. Yeah. But uh, I like the second point uh, more that we could be so traumatized that it may be very difficult to love. Yeah. And that's what we want to ultimately express. Thank you for that, my mantra, bro. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Other <laughs> points? Hare Krishna, um, Yes, Divya, Prabhu.
4: You, the the explanation that he gave from jiva goswami i was just thinking that so Jeeva goswami is saying that because jab bharat is like he's his 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 renunciation is so advanced so it's almost like he's gone back to godhead wow. but i'm thinking that it's 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 like isn't it that krishna really wants us to be really pure before we can go back like just from going from dear life to the back to godhead is just too big of a jump, and he wanted to give a chance for Jad Bhara to show his purity and renunciation before he can go back.
0: Well, you know, as we know, Krishna can do many things with one act, with one act. but according to our authority, uh, Tattva Prabhu, uh, <laughs> no, he was quoting Bhagavad Gita, Yam Yam Vapi, that whatever you remember at the time of death, you attain. And here's and he remember we, we this is what he did at the time of death. I am quitting my body, offering obeisances unto him, and hoping that I may perpetually engage in his transcendental loving service. Uttering this, Maharaj Bharat left his body. So according to Bhagavad Gita, he has to go back to Godhead because he did exactly whether his dear body or not dear body, he did exactly what Krish he has to fulfill. Krishna has to fulfill his promise that is given in the eighth chapter of the Gita. And the other points that you're making, Dibyananda Prabhu are not, are not off. That's what's so one of the beauties of Krishna conscious philosophy. Often it's and and not or. And so there's so much, so many lessons to be learned in, in his, in this whole thing with, with Maharaj Rahugana and everything that we're going to be hearing in future chapters. But it is, I think it is really wonderful that Jiva Goswami, he wants to, he's kind of in his, in his, uh, Bhakti Sandarbha. well, in one of the Sandarbhas, I can't remember which one it's from. I think it is a Bhakti Sandarbha. He's almost like, uh, defending Krishna's statement, right? Because he says someone could argue that Krishna promised this in the Gita, but it didn't happen for Maharaj Bharat. Why is that? And then, he gives this answer that actually he was always with Krishna when he was in the body of Jad Bharat. Is that all right to be number one?
3: Yes, we well, Thank you.
0: Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So we, yeah, we have to... Uh, anything else on this? Let's try to do a few more verses before the end of the day. So this verse four is... The Brahmana's father's mind was always filled with affection for his son, Jad Bharat. Was Bart Marsh. Therefore, he was always attached to Jadabharata. Because Jadabharata was unfit to enter the Grihastha ashram, he simply executed the purificatory process up to the end of the Brahmacharya ashram. Brahmacharya ashram. Although Jadabharata was unwilling to accept his father's instructions, the Brahmana nonetheless instructed him in how to keep clean and how to wash, thinking that the son should be taught by the father. And... Prabhupada writes that these Karmakanda activities, the, the various activities he was instructing him in, are required as long as one has not developed Krishna consciousness. If one is developed in Krishna consciousness, there's no need to execute the prior regulated principles of Karmakanda. Srila Madhavendra Puri said, Oh, regulated principles of Karmakanda, please excuse me. I cannot follow all these regulated principles I am fully engaged in devotional service. So I thought, uh, let me see if you're going to be able to see this. Share my screen. This This is something that uh, Buri Jampubu worked on for quite some time, the yoga ladder. And so it starts at the bottom with animal life, Dwi pada. You know, animal life, or we, or a two-legged animal, uh, right? The dui padapassus who just eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you shall die, and then more advanced than that is is someone who follows karma kanda. At least they're following the Vedas in order to um, get their material desires satisfied. So you see, there it's interested in satisfying material desires, but at least they're accepting the authority of the Vedas. Then that dotted line there is where spiritual life starts to happen when a transcendental goal is established. And when I won't go into, we could go into a whole hour about the yoga ladder here, right? But I was just trying to place karmakanda in the yoga ladder. So then one practices karma yoga. And then one could become more uh, renounced in knowledge and detachment and gana yoga. And uh, practice ultimately, you know, meditation and the Astanga yoga process. This is still within the modes of material nature, but then above the modes is the Brahman, Paramatma, and Bhagavan realization. (laughs) And for us, this is the ladder. And then Prabhupada gave us the elevator, right? Where he brought us pretty much, at least I can say for myself, from the bottom up to Bhakti yoga, or at least trying to practice Bhakti yoga. Right, right from the day, you know, I met devotee, we met devotees, right? We get to chant Hare Krishna, et cetera. But I, I just wanted to, we could, we, if, um, Prema would be much more qualified than me to express explain this. But I just wanted to put Karma kanda a little bit in context. So, you know, the average Brahmana who's not a devotee, uh, often there, and here was Judd Bharat's father, was engaging him in following the Vedas, but not really necessarily for a trend with a transcendental objective and there's two different levels of karmakanda there's like i said there's a lot of details we can go into it another time and probably for you may remember for those of us who studied bhakti shastri some years ago it seems like a different lifetime uh, we talked about this any quick questions on karmakanda uh,
3: one point regarding the uh, the uh, the ability of uh, uh, that spirit soul that was bharat maharaj and then was in the deer's body remembering the past life is it not also the uh, potency of bhakti because of practicing bhakti uh, bharat maharaj was able to remember that because it's not normally uh, given to any living being in this material world and, uh, unless it's some exceptional situations. One was that the traumatic death in the previous lifetime, that could be one reason. But in this in this case, it was more like the benefit of practicing bhakti. So it yeah. puts the spotlight on the glory, glory of bhakti.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's just like that verse, Apichet Sudharacharo Bajitemam Nanyabhad Sarareva Samantavya you saw that. That even if one commits the most abominable activities, if they're engaged in devotional service, <coughs> they should be considered saintly. So it's not, it's not, uh, that verse really, it's a glorification of bhakti. It's not that you can do anything you want and then do a little Hare Krishna and everything's good, but it's showing how powerful bhakti is. That word, apichate, is used in several places in the Gita, and it gives a, it's, it's a way of presenting a theoretical thing that's, almost impossible, right? Even if you commit, right? right? Just like uh, earlier in the fourth chapter, even if one's the most sinful of all sinners, if he's engaged, if he's in the boat of transcendent knowledge, so how can you be as sinful and most sinful? You know, it, it's showing the how special bhakti is. <coughs> so thank you for that. Yes, it's about the power of bhakti.
5: Yes, Prabhu, I have a comment. Yes. So, uh I'm reminded of Gajendra also. So, adding to Ragunandan Prabhu's comment, actually, it makes sense what he just said. And, however, I was also um, thinking about maybe it's a part of karmas that some of us, uh, some of the living entities, carry with them their remembrance of the past lives because, in some form, they are traumatized moving forward in the current life and on so on. So, kind of
3: like karmic reaction, right?
0: Yes, and there's another example of an animal' uh who definitely said a lot of beautiful prayers, right Right. right. yeah,
5: yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: of garuda and what to speak of um others, yes, thank you for that, yes, yeah, but yeah, the, and people it's interesting because in the material world, people say there's nothing more powerful than love, right love makes the world go round, and you know. I'm sure in whether it's Tollywood or Bollywood or Hollywood, there's all kinds of songs and movies about love. It is the most powerful thing in the world. And when it's directed towards true love, bhakti, towards Krishna, there's nothing more powerful. It can actually take us out of this whole cycle of birth and death. So it is the most powerful. So on that note, maybe there's no need to try to squeeze in one more verse we we will finish uh this chapter next week and then we will go on to the um next chapter the discussions between jad bharata, jad bharata and Maharaja rahugana that's yeah that's really exciting and interesting and wonderful i hope you all are well and Taking time to keep, take care of your health and getting along with the other people that you're locked down with in your house. (laughs) And we will, uh, see you figuratively all next week. Thank you so much for your association and staying steadfast with this study of Srila Prabhupada's books. Hare Krishna. All glories to Srila Prabhupada.